Gary the Guide time here on The Breakfast Show. Bible study time is about to begin. 20 million movement Bible study. 20 million people around the world are studying the book of Hebrews right now. And you can be a part of that movement uh, simply by joining us here on Faith FM. And, of course, the book of Hebrews is absolutely amazing. Before we do, we have our 400-point question for mm-hmm. our quiz, followed by a quick catch-up on a few text messages. Okay, so for 400 points. In the Book of Lamentations, uh, the Book of Lamentations expresses Jeremiah's grief over the fate of what city? 0491064669 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 400 points, you're giving yourself a so one of a selection of our bargain books, which we will give you if you call us with the correct or text us with the correct answer. But again, for 400 points, that question was, <coughs> sorry, what Book of Lament? Uh, the Book of Lamentation expresses Jeremiah's grief over the fate of what? City. Um, and by the way, I think at 20 million movement is probably the 25 million movement now. I could well be. Yeah. So, but 20 million movement rolls off the tongue a little well, bit. Well, you've now. contributed right here on, uh, if you're a listener to uh, Faith FM every morning on the breakfast show, you're contributing to that number. So. That's right. If we go, we, then we can hit 30 million. Yes. Just, just keep going. All right. Let's go to some text messages right here. Uh, Darren says, maybe it's to- time to give Facebook the flick. Yeah, I I very much want to. There's there's two things. There's two things that keep Facebook going for me. Messenger and marketplace. Right? They, they, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> yes, messenger and marketplace. Like you can't live without them. Seriously. Oh dear. I think marketplace is the only thing left in Australia that's keeping cash alive as well. That's <laughs> yeah, so true. Okay, let me see here. Uh, Facebook purge on Christian ministries, pretty gutsy. They went to war against God. They might think they are winning for a while, but I don't think they realize what the future holds for them. Repent before it's too late. Mm. It will come back on their own heads. Just sad that God in his mercy gives them so much rope Mm. before they hang themselves and the suffering they cause along the way. Wow, heavy. Definitely. Mm. All right, but I think there's um, some relevant thoughts there in relationship to Facebook. What we'd like to hear about now is your thoughts on the Bible study. We're Mm -hmm. in the book of Hebrews, and we have this passage that we have been working towards, and we looked at it yesterday from the perspective of Calvinism. Today we're going to look at it from the perspective of Arminianism Mm. because it doesn't matter which side of the equation you come from. This is a challenging passage. That's right. So Hebrews chapter, what is it, 6 verse 4? Four, four, five, to six. four to six. Let's mm-hmm. read it again. And yesterday we looked at it from the perspective of, you know, once saved, always saved, chosen to be saved, created to be saved, cannot lose your salvation, all those kind of things. And, of course, it annihilates that kind of a concept. But now it raises some other major issues in relationship to, well, can a person be saved, then lose their salvation and come back? Yeah. Is, is there any way back? Okay, go ahead. Read it for us, please, Lawson. It says, For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such a people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again, and holding him up to public shame. Okay, so there's some pretty heavy language that we've got right here. And the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Is there such a thing as an unpardonable sin? Is there a, is there a point of no return? Is there a, 
a, a position that you can go to that you can never come back from. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, this is not talking about a Christian who sins mm. because Christians sin on a remarkably regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what his forgiveness is all about. Yeah, and, and it's like in, in, if we claim that to be what this is talking about, like that flies in the face of a number of other Bible it's verses. It's like, like the whole of the Bible yeah. pretty much. Um, and so if we were to claim that that was the case, then there would be no such thing as a Christian because you know every person after they have surrendered their life to God at some particular point, they sin and that's it's it. It's done. So It's done. You're over. Mm. So we know that it's not talking about sin. We know that the Bible provides forgiveness for our mm. sins. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that verse is written for Christians. Mm. That verse is written for committed Christians. That comes from 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 where John is writing to committed Christians. Mm. All right, so let's uh, look a little bit further into this and, and, and we ask ourselves the point, okay, it's not talking about sin. What is it talking about? And is there such a thing as a point of no return? And if so, where is that point? Okay, so two things that I want to highlight before we... Uh, continue on any further. The Bible is here talking about people who have uh, who have tasted the gift, the free gift, mm. uh, and so we can notice that there in uh, verse five, the context tells us they have tasted the heavenly gift. We know that's yes. the gift of salvation. So we know that the Bible here is talking about people who have received salvation, and it goes on and it clarifies that further by saying, "And made partakers of the Holy Spirit." have tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the world to come. So this is people who have received salvation. Mm -hmm. They have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. And they have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Mm -hmm. So Paul's being very, very clear here. Don't get me wrong. I am talking about people who have received and experienced salvation. Mm. Now, what's interesting is that the way that he clarifies this is by twice referring to the Holy Spirit, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so he's like, yeah, they've received salvation and been filled with the Spirit mm-hmm. and experienced the power of the Spirit. There's a focus on that, and I think that's important because that is where we begin to understand the sin that cannot be forgiven. That's right. Mm-hmm. The point that you can go to from which you cannot return. Mm-hmm. And this is a very, very serious subject, so we're going to look into it in a little bit more depth here this morning. We, we, <coughs> excuse me. We're going to go begin by going back to uh, the book of Matthew. Um, Matthew chapter 12 is where we will begin. So let's go to Matthew chapter 12 uh, and verse 31. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 31, the Bible says, So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. And verse 32. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. Okay, so you've got to stop and ask yourself the question at this particular point. You know, is there a hierarchy here? Mm. You know, is there a hierarchy where Jesus is less important than the Holy Spirit, Mm. and so therefore... You know, you can say things about, you know, because I know I can say things against Lawson and be forgiven. Even Lawson can forgive me from time to time, you know, when I have uh, messed up. Uh, that's what we thats what we do as human beings. We forgive each other, right? Yes. 
Yeah, he's sounding unsure right now. Um, yeah, but now, Ian, now I'm wondering. Now maybe I'm maybe I'm not, maybe I haven't been forgiven. The, well, the, look, the uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but is there a situation here where? Well, Jesus is not that important, so you can speak blasphemies against Jesus and be forgiven, but you can't speak blasphemies against the Holy Spirit. Mm. And, and, and if this is a hierarchy that we're talking about here, do we have Jesus? And then above Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. And then above the Holy Spirit, do we have God the Father? Yeah. Or even like, well, because I didn't see anything here about like speaking blasphemies against God the Father being like an unforgivable sin so it's like it's but if god the father is above the holy spirit then it sure surely it must be more unforgivable and how many times have people spoken blasphemies against god the father by you know the, the simple term omg mm. you know that's blasphemy against god the father every single time a person uses those words uh, and does that you know does that imply that they can never be forgiven and that they have lost mm. out on salvation because they have lost those words and even furthermore like how does that reflect on the character of god like is yes. is he just yes. throwing like this authoritarian tantrum you know this like 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 he's the king and it's like oh you said something against the king off goes your head like oh you can make fun of the court jester or the queen or but he said something against the the king, it's over for you, dude. It does. It raises a whole bunch of questions. Mm. And so to be able to understand this passage, why does God say, why does Jesus say you can sin against the Son and be forgiven, but you cannot sin against the Holy Spirit and be forgiven? And the answer is going to uh, um, come through that what we're going to find here is that it all relates to the work and function Mm. of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Once we understand the work and the function of the Holy Spirit, this passage becomes very easy to understand and very plain as to why Jesus says this. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so a text message coming through here. It uh, says, During the flood, only eight people were saved. The rest of the world had committed the unpardonable sin. God could no longer reach them through the Holy Spirit. Mm. Okay, so this is interesting because and because when you go back to Genesis chapter 6, mm. just like you've got in Hebrews chapter 6, in Genesis chapter 6 when the Bible talks about the flood and when the Bible talks about those who committed the unpardonable sin, once again, it specifically highlights the Holy Spirit. Mm. So the Holy Spirit is... Is, is highlighted when the Bible speaks about the flood. Yes. And, and the unpardonable sin at the flood. The Holy Spirit is highlighted when Jesus speaks about the unpardonable sin. The Holy Spirit is highlighted in Hebrews where Paul speaks about the unpardonable sin. Mm. So clearly there is a common denominator. You've got three different passages here that all talk about uh, the unpardonable sin, and every single one of them is focusing on the Holy Spirit. So there is something about the work and the ministry and the function of the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand um, what the unpardonable sin is all about. In fact, before we go back to uh, Hebrews, or before we look into into more depth into the work and function of the Holy Spirit, let's go back and look at this in Genesis chapter 6. And let's see what it says right here in Genesis chapter 6 about the Holy Spirit and about these people that committed the unpardonable sin. Genesis chapter 6, Lawson, why don't you read for us uh, verse 3. In Genesis 
6 and verse 3, the Bible says, Then the Lord said, My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In their future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. Okay, so in the King James Version, it says it a little bit differently mm. and mm. a little bit more specifically. Mm. It says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive yes. with man. And so the question is, the old English word that says strive, mm-hmm. what does that word actually mean? Let's understand the word strive for a moment. It's one of those words that we probably should bring back. But if I come to you, Lawson, and I want to convince you uh, that, um, let me see, what do I want to, what do I want to convince Lawson about that he's unconvinced on? Let's say that I want to conv- convince Lawson that Bitcoin is amazing. <laughs> we all know Lawson hates Bitcoin and <laughs> cryptocurrency. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna convince Lawson that crypto is amazing. Okay, okay, yeah, all right. And and so I sit down, I've got all of these arguments, and we start to argue it backwards uh-huh. and forwards. Uh-huh. Okay, and if I really press the point, that's called striving. Mm. So if I'm striving with you, I am mm. earnestly trying to convince you. Now, I would never try and do that because I think we're kind of... In agreement. In agreement when it yeah. comes to... Crypto. No, you know what? I've changed. Let's go to the moon. Let's buy. Let's buy in. Let's. <laughs> we're all. We're all in now. Buy some. Buy some crypto and uh, go and land on the moon. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> all right. So that wasn't very hard. I, I, I didn't <laughs> yes. have to. But power, you strive. Do you power, strive okay, for I was, it? I strive. I strive. <laughs> yeah. Right, but that's what it means to strive. And mm-hmm. so it wasn't just that the Holy Spirit was running out of patience. Your translation says the Holy Spirit is running out of patience. Yeah. My translation says that. Uh, the Holy Spirit isn't going to be always working on the human heart. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right? What happens when the Holy Spirit ceases to work on the human heart? The answer is found in verse 5. In verse 5, the Bible says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything that they thought or imagined was constantly and totally evil. All right. So, how much of their thoughts were righteous. None. None. Mm. They were only constantly evil. Mm-hmm. Or as it puts in my tra- translation, every, ima- every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Mm. And, you know, when you look at the, the you know, legislation that's being passed around our world right now and the crazy direction that our world is going, and it's not hard to see our world just turning back to the situation that it was back there where it is just in absolute, you know, hardcore rebellion against God. It's like God says this and so we are going to do the opposite. We do not care how much mm. pain it causes us and how obviously painful it is. Mm. We're going to embrace that pain so that we can spurn God. Yeah, that's right. And, and the Bible says, as the days of Noah's were, such will be the Social time. Also the coming of the Son of Man. That's right. Mm. Yeah. It's exactly what the Bible says. Okay. So the Bible says that the Holy Spirit won't always strive with man. There will come a t- time when human beings will not experience anything good mm. at all. It'll be impossible for them to experience good. And this helps us to understand, you know, why the flood took place. Because um, if it is impossible for a person to experience anything good, if it is impossible for a person to experience happiness, joy, peace, harmony, any of those kind of things in their life, if that's all impossible, 
then what is the point of them living any longer? Because they only live for the purpose of pain. You know, we have we have animals. You have a dog. I have a dog. Um, many of our listeners have a pet. And sometimes, you know, when you own a pet, your pet will reach that point where it is impossible for that pet to be pain-free any longer. Mm. What do we do? We put them down. Well, actually, if you didn't know this, my dog got put down. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, but it was that exact situation. So basically, it got bitten by a parasite, like a tick, mm-hmm. and it got paralyzed. And like, and it was in, in like incredible pain, and it couldn't move, and it was you know filled with in some kind of infection or whatever. And that was the solution: was that th- there's nothing more. For the, 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 it's only pain. And so yeah, and it, they ended up putting it down. Was that? An act of hatred on your behalf, or an act of love? It was. It was mercy and love. It had to be right. Yeah. Like, like you couldn't bear to do anything else. That's right. What yeah. What else could be done? Nothing. That's right. Mm. And this is the thing: the Bible says that every good and perfect thing comes down from God. Mm. If you take God out of the equation, there is nothing good. There is nothing perfect. There is only pain left. Mm. Why is it that evil people experience good? Because of the influence of the Holy Spirit. But what happens, what, happens when, what happens when they reject the Holy Spirit to the point where the Holy Spirit can no longer have any influence? It's only evil. It's only evil. They, they can't, it makes it impossible for them to ever experience anything good. Okay, a couple of texts coming through here, um, a couple of thoughts. Uh, Bruce says, I think it's about self-righteousness and pride. When we recognize the truth often can become self-righteous, and start to criticize and judge others and act like Matthew 7 describes and think we are doing good works in God's name, but God says, depart from me. They think they are worthy because of what they do, of what they do not because of what God does. Mm. Absolutely. Good, good um, thoughts right there. Uh, and Ruffy says, after the close of probation, all the rejectors of God will also have committed the unpardonable sin, hence the seven last plagues and the death at the appearing of Jesus at the second coming. For those of you unfamiliar with the close of probation, uh, the Bible speaks about a time in uh, Revelation when uh, Jesus leaves. In Revelation 15, you can read about it right there, where no one is able to enter into the sanctuary, the temple in heaven anymore. Mm. In other words, mediation has come to an end, Mm. and it comes to an end before the plagues fall um, as uh, has been correctly pointed out here in this text message. And uh, once again, you've got, as you had in the days of Noah, when the door to the ark closed, a week before the flood came, but when the door closed, probation was over. Mm. The opportunity for salvation was gone. Uh, when you have, you, you have the same thing at the return of Jesus, when Jesus leaves the sanctuary in heaven to come back to this earth, the opportunity for salvation is over. It's gone, and and it says like in, in and amongst that those those passages, you know, because the point that could be make made in counter to that to kind of slight God would be like, but what if someone would make a decision? You know, what if someone? What if someone? You know, if you gave them the Holy Spirit again, they would finally, you know, they would cross that. They would they would cross that. Um, they would cross that gap, and they would make that decision. But ultimately, like the Bible says, let let the just be just still, and the wicked be wicked still. Like. No one is making that decision. Yeah, God is not willing that any should perish. That's right. But that all should come to repentance. Um, mm. And that's why he is long-suffering or patient toward us. Mm. And so that time will never come. Probation will never close while there is the opportunity for someone to be saved. Mm. 
God's not going to like, well, you know, I know if I'd left an extra half hour, then I might have had one more person. No, that's not going to happen. He knows. Exactly, exactly. And God is the only one who does know, and he's the only one who has the power to be able to close a person's probation. And typically a person's probation you know, is closed when they die, mm-hmm. you know, for... Some people, I guess it might happen before they die, but we can never know that or judge that. The Bible mm. does speak about individuals to whom that happened, but usually we can know that and judge that once a person uh, passes away. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. What an amazing song. Uh, must be time for our 500-pointer. That's right. Okay, for 500 points, simply... How long did it take Paul to move back to Jerusalem? Okay. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. How long did it take to... For, oh, man, so this, this is an interesting question. Which, how long, Which time? Yeah, that's right. That's my, that's my question. I can think of three occasions. Where he was... Oh, oh, this is kind of alluding... One, 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 one was short. Mm-hmm. One was longer. And yeah. one was like forever long. Like, really long. Yeah. Well, this is, like, alluding to some point where we moved back. There is a number, 0491-064-669 is the number to call, if you know the answer. And the prize you'll win. Okay, this is an epic book. Tidings out of the Northeast, a general historical survey of Daniel chapter 11 by Ma- um, Mark Alden Swearingen. Okay, this is boss. This is like an epic, epic book. So for those who don't know, Daniel chapter 11 is probably, um, well, it is the the deepest prophecy within the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel 11 is awesome. Daniel 11 is so, and it's so specific. And this book, again, a general historical survey of Daniel 11, just doing doing the work of connecting the historical events to the biblical prophecy that the the biblical, like, yeah, that the biblical prophecy is talking about. So That's amazing. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer to that question, which, again, how long did it take Paul to move back to Jerusalem? You'll get this book for free if you know the answer. So be the first to call in, 0491-064-669. Okay, fantastic stuff. All right, let's continue to talk about the unpardonable sin and the Ooh. relationship between the Holy Spirit and the unpardonable sin. Uh, because this is the thing that is being highlighted in all of these passages. So let's go to John chapter 14, and we're going to begin in verse 26 by looking at, all right, to, to understand the connection between the unpardonable sin and the and the Holy Spirit and why you can blaspheme against Jesus and be forgiven, but why you cannot blaspheme against the Holy Spirit and be forgiven, you need to understand the work and the function of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, where are we? John chapter 14 and verse 26, please, Lawson. The Bible says, But the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Okay, so what's the work and function of the Holy Spirit in this passage? Here it says like it's an advocate, it's a representative yes, of Jesus. Of Jesus who comes from the Father to us to do what for us? He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. All right, so let's think about uh, the Christian experience as being a journey mm-hmm. on a path. Yes, that you're walking along. Uh huh. All right, so that's a, a a symbol that is used in many different places in the Bible. That it's mm-hmm. a journey, it's a path. Uh, it's not a destination as such. It is something. Well, there is a destination, obviously, at the end, but it is a journey in which we follow Jesus. So Jesus says, come unto me, mm. all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so we come to Jesus. 
And then Jesus says, if any man follow me, let him take up his cross and come after me. Mm. And so there's two different things right there. <coughs> Excuse me. First of all, there is coming to Jesus. That indicates that Jesus is in a particular place and we come to him. Mm. And then there is coming after Jesus. That indicates that Jesus is now moving and we are following him. Mm. And so coming to Jesus, we come onto the path. Yes. So Jesus is there on the path. He says, come to me. Mm-hmm. So we come to Jesus. He's on the path. If we come to him, we're obviously now standing on the path as well. Okay. Mm. And Jesus doesn't want to just leave us there because he wants to transform our life. He wants to lead us through our life. And so then Jesus begins to move. Yes. He begins to walk along the path, and it's our duty then to follow him. And the Bible says here that Jesus is going to teach us how to walk on that path. Mm-hmm. And he's going to teach us through the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says, you know, we hear a voice behind you saying, you know, whether you turn to the right or you turn to the left, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the path. Mm. Walk you in it or walk in it. Okay, so people are walking along the path. They are following Jesus along the path. And Jesus is teaching them how to stay on the path. Mm. All right, now let's go over to John chapter 16. And we're going to read verse 7 and 8. The Bible says in John chapter 16, verse 7 and 8, But in fact, it is the best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and God's righteousness and the coming of judgment. Okay, so what is the Holy Spirit going to do here? It's going to convict people of sin. Going to convict you of sin. All right, so let's say that you are walking along the path. That's great. You're following Jesus along Uh the path, and he's teaching you how to be on the path. Mm -hmm. And let's say at some particular point you walk off the path. Yes. What is the Holy Spirit going to do at this particular point? Direct you back to the path. It's going to come to you and convict you of your sin. Yes. So you're off the path, you're in darkness, and the Holy Spirit says, you're a sinner, you need to come back to Jesus you need to come back onto the path. Mm. Which, by the way, quick sub point, the, well, Jesus makes the point, you know, wide is the way in, to destruction, but narrow is straight is the, you know, the way to everlasting life. Like, it, again, using this illusion of the path, like the point is, is that God has a specific plan for your life. He has a specific standard of what he wants you to do. It's not just like willy nilly, like, oh yeah, like, you know, the Bible also makes that point. It's like, even the demons believe in God, you know, and tremble, but like, they're demons. So it's like clear that, oh, hey, there's actually things that, like Jesus wants you to follow his example, like specifically. Yes. And it's like, but then we can see here, well, how does that actually take place? How do I know what his example is? Well, the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you. Exactly. Mm. All right. Then we're going to look for a third function of the Holy Spirit. We're going to find this one now down in verse 13 and 14. The Bible says in verse 13, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you um, what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Okay, so the key word in this passage is the word guide. Yes. And also, you know, for some of our good friends who listen to uh, the breakfast show here on Faith FM, just want to point out the personal pronoun that Jesus uses here because often the Holy Spirit is spoken of as the Holy Spirit, which mm-hmm. is an impersonal 
way of speaking. And so some people have concluded that the Holy Spirit is not a person. Mm. And so Jesus clarifies that in this passage right here. Just in case you're a bit confused over that, Jesus is like, okay, um, it says, how be it when he, mm. the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. That's you know nine times in two verses where Jesus has clarified the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. Which, by the way, is like very significant because God would never personalize an impersonal force. Be- That's right. Because he's so against idolatry. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Um, really good point. Mm. But let's get back to it here because the Bible says in... Um, 1426, the, the, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you what the truth is. Mm. So now you know what the truth is. Then as you walk along the path, <clears throat> the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will guide you. That's what we're reading right here. Mm. You hear that voice behind you. Whether you turn to the left or the right, this is the way walk you in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is going to teach you what the truth is, guide you while you're on the path, and convict you when you fall off. Yes. And say, this is the way back on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Holy Spirit is another word for our conscience. What happens if we reject the voice of the Holy Spirit to the point we can no longer hear the voice of our conscience? Um, what, what's going to happen then? Well, it doesn't it just grow duller? It does. It's the rule of the mind. It's how, human bra- how the human brain works. What you persistently reject, you cease to perceive. Mm. So if there's a bad smell and you work in that area where there is a consistent bad smell, over time you will be unable to smell that smell mm. because you consistently reject it. And it's exactly with the Holy Spirit. If you consistently reject the voice of the Holy Spirit, there will come a time when you will no longer be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And that is the only connection that you have to bring you back to God. Mm. So the only sin that cannot be forgiven is the sin that is not confessed. Mm. But the only way that you can confess your sin is if you actually know that is sin, and the only way you can know it is sin is by the Holy Spirit convicting you. Mm. Without the Holy Spirit, there is nothing to connect you to God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, let's uh, quickly run through the answers to our questions. So, uh, the answers to the quiz, 100 points. Um, the answer was Satan for 200 points, circumcision for 300 points. It was ooh, three of the names that it could have been was um, Simon, Judas, and a lot of people answered John, but John is not correct. So, it was Simon, Judas, and the third one was, oh, it's, it's escaping my mind. What was the other James. one? James. James. Yep. That's right. Three Simon, Judas, and James. And potentially Matt, if you want yeah, to. Yeah, you can put Matt there. Matthias and Matthew. But yeah. Anyways, um, for 300, oh, 400 points, it was the, uh, the city was Jerusalem. And for 500 points, the answer was 14 years. Uh, but right now, it is time for... Question of the day. All right. Today's question of the day is simply this. Would Satan be forgiven if he went down on his knees and asked for forgiveness? No. Uh, That's the answer. 
Uh, That's what? the answer. Okay, so one Why of the not? things that you're going to find in the Bible is that there are a number of places where, you know, because, you know, for us a person's probation is clearly closed when they die. Mm. But it may have closed beforehand. We don't know. There are, it is very, very rare that you find uh, the Bible speaks about a person's opportunity to be saved having been gone before they die. So I'll give you a couple of examples of that. Um, the antediluvian world that we were talking about earlier, mm. uh, when the Bible says, you know, my Holy Spirit will not always strive with man. His days will be 120 years. 120 years comes, comes to an end. The Holy Spirit is no longer striving with them, not because he doesn't want to, but because he can't. The, therefore, the door to the ark closes. Well, the moment that door closes, probation is closed. Opportunity for salvation is gone, mm. and they're still alive. Uh, another example is King Saul when he goes to the witch of Endor. And, you know, the message is very, you know, Satan comes through and is like, yeah, you're going to die. Mm. You know, when you're going to die tomorrow. When, when Satan's giving you that message and Satan knows exactly what's going to happen, it's because basically it's just Satan saying, yeah, you're mine now, so I'm going to kill you tomorrow. Mm. Um, then you go to um, Belshazzar. Belshazzar is probably the next one that comes to mind where God comes down and actually writes it on the wall of his palace. You weighed in the balances and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Mm. You know, very few people actually get a personal me- written message from God to tell them you're lost. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's pretty heavy Sauce. stuff. It's like <laughs> the Book of Daniel is just is just wild stuff. Um, and, and, and so you get these rare occasions where a person we know that their probation has closed before they die, and you find exactly the same thing with Satan because you know very clearly when. Um, you know, any being that sins has the opportunity to receive forgiveness, but when a being hangs Jesus on the cross, mm. which is what Satan did, mm. you know, to crucify Jesus, to literally try and kill the Son of God, there's no salvation from that. There's mm. no opportunity for forgiveness from that. You are not going to do that. It's impossible to do that while the Holy Spirit is still speaking to you. You know, and even you go back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry where, you know, Satan takes Jesus to the top of a hill and is like, okay, I'm Satan, I'm the prince of this world. You've come down here to die for it. That's really hard. Let me give it to you for free. Mm. I'll save you all of that pain, all of that suffering. You can have it entirely for free. Just worship me. You know the Holy Spirit is not speaking to Satan. A person's probation is closed when the Holy Spirit is no longer speaking to them and they no longer have a conscience. Now, somebody texted through with a question in relationship to the conscience, and uh, this comes from Sky. It says, Hello, I'm really pleased you spoke about the Holy Spirit. I have difficulty a lot knowing if it is the Holy Spirit or my own thoughts mm. um, when it's something uh, not so simple, like a sin topic, for example. What is God trying to show me in this mandate with workplaces and working in a very manipulative workplace? Okay, so here's the simple thing. Um, We need to practice listening to the voice of God on a daily basis. And whenever we come across decisions, we need to bring those decisions to the Bible and say, okay, is there a biblical mandate on this? Is, is, is there a moral mandate on this? And your conscience you know, will always be telling you which way to go on things where the Bible is absolutely crystal clear. Hmm. And so the more we follow the voice of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit speaks about things that are crystal clear, the more we will be able to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit speaks to us about just other random things in our lives. Hmm. 
And so we need to practice listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit so that we can hear it and we can understand it. Um, and then finally it says, let alone, is this current man I'm talking to worthy to be my husband? So the conscience is ultimately the Holy Spirit. Yes, the conscience is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I would say, I don't know the person you're talking to, but I would say this. The first question you need to ask yourself, is this a godly man? Is he a God-fearing man. Mm. And if you can if you cannot honestly and clearly say, yes, this man is absolutely a godly man, then drop him like a hot brick right now. Mm. Because the longer you wait, the harder it will be if that is not the case. And if it is the case, then take it to the Lord in prayer. That's yeah, between God. you and God to make that decision. Guys, remember to spend time with Jesus today as we've been talking about. You know, the Holy Spirit convicts us and moves in our lives, but it is so much easier for the Holy Spirit to speak to us if we are coming to God in prayer and in Bible study. But also remember to talk faith, live faith, and act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. This has been Faith FM. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.